Galatians 6, verse 11 through 18 says, see with what uh, large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So, by way of reminder, Paul has been encouraging the Galatians to continue serving the Lord. He had told them to persevere. He told them in verse 9 to persevere. It literally means to hang in there. And he reminded them that they should do good, especially to the household of the faith. So let us actively do good. Let us continue. Let us pursue what is moral and spiritually excellent. In 1 Peter 2.15, it says, For this is the will of God, that they, by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And so uh, the whole idea is that the love of God is going to show our relationship with the Lord. That love that, that, um, that we have. I was watching a video that somebody posted. It was a, a video that went viral, and uh, it was this uh, soldier he got off work uh, as a soldier, gets off work, he's going home and he's hungry. Uh, he just stops in at a Taco Bell real quick to get some food. And while he's inside, it's raining outside, it's in a different state, I don't remember where. I don't know if it even said. But uh, these two boys walk in and, and they're selling candy and he's in line to order, uh, order food. And he's, they say, hey, can, would you like to buy some candy? And he's like, no. But he, he, he could tell there was something up with him. They're soaking wet from being outside and stuff. And he goes, I wonder if you guys can finish off 10 tacos. You hungry? And um, they're like, have you eaten? And, and they're like, no, like shaking their head, kind of nervous. Like, and he's like, come up, to, come up to the register with me. And so he goes, order whatever you, whatever you want. And so apparently um, people started watching, and, and, and he wasn't trying to draw attention to himself. He just did this, and people uh, in the Taco Bell, it was busy. And uh, so people started filming it. And so he's getting the kids a soda and food and everything else and had them eat and everything, and, and he just fed them just because, you know, whatever. Apparently they were selling that candy for a church event, and uh, so they were trying to, they're going everywhere they can to, to try to fundraise and get the money and so he didn't have cash he said and goes but if you're hungry I'll, I want to hook you guys up and so they were and he fed them and stuff and and he goes you know it's interesting that people are praising me and he goes to, to, to be honest it's really awkward that people are 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 like like this video went viral and people are praising me he goes this should be second nature for anybody for everybody like, I, I wasn't doing a good deed. Like, I wasn't trying to be like, hey, look at me. It just came natural. Like, hey, you, guys, you know, like, you guys are hungry? Yeah? Let me hook you up. Let me, let me bless you. And he did that. And I love the fact that 
that was the motive. That was the heart behind it. It wasn't like, hey, everybody, look at me. I'm a soldier. I'm in my military outfit. I just got off work. And here's these two underprivileged boys that I, you know, let's, let's get a photo op here. Let's do all this stuff. Like he didn't even know he was actually being filmed. He was just doing it because that's who he is. That's what Paul's trying to get across to the, to the Galatians, to the Gentiles especially, because he goes, listen, who you are is a reflection of your relationship with Christ. And it should show. There should be evidence of this. The problem was these Judaizers, as we've talked about week in and week out, these guys are saying, they're coming in and saying, you have to look like this, you have to act like this, you have to be circumcised, you have to do these things. And everything was on the outward. But as you notice this, one of the things in verse 11, what Paul is saying is this, going back into chapter 1, applying that to here, verse 11, Paul had already stated his authority by which he was writing to these guys, but here he's repeating that. Let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever had somebody steal your phone, borrow your phone, steal your phone, uh, and, and text somebody else on your behalf, pretending to be you? you know, and joking, saying something like really, whether it's off color, whatever it is, and, 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 and the, you know, they're all, all, whatever. I have a friend that his mom used to always keep her Facebook open on, on her computer. And so when he would turn on the computer to use it, he would just start writing things and stuff, you know, and um, really, you know, just gross even some of it, you know, and post it. And it was like his mom's Facebook and, and stuff and, and being really gross about, you know, things, uh, talking about, oh, I just had to use a restroom anyway, but just gross. But uh, acting like it was his mom writing these things. And then she would go on and apologize. It wasn't me. I left my Facebook open, all this other stuff. And so you're having to go back and explain like it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I didn't write that. My friend took my phone, whatever, right? And so what Paul's saying is normally in the biblical times, they would have a scribe and the scribe would write out and type out these letters. Well, he's saying, I didn't have a scribe. It was me. I'm writing to you because this is my heart. And I wanted you to know by the authority God has given to me that I'm speaking to you and, and all. And, and so it's really important. Why? Because he goes into verse 12 and 13 and he says, As many as desire to make um, a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution from the cross. And so, by way of reminder, one of the things that we've, we've looked at is, Paul's been addressing these false teachers. That they, in chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, that they preach a false gospel that they're, in chapter 2, verse 4, that they're simply false brethren. They're not really brothers in Christ. In chapter 2, verse 5, that they try to undermine Paul's authority over the church. In chapter 2, verse 21, that they contradicted the grace of God by supplementing in the law. In chapter 3, verse 1, their teachings hid Jesus from them. In chapter 4, verse 17, their teachings were designed to cut off their relationship with Jesus. In chapter 5, verse 1, they brought people into bondage rather than freedom. In chapter 5, verse 7, they encouraged disobedience to Jesus. And then in chapter 5, verse 10, they troubled rather than encouraged and they, that they would be judged. 
Notice he says again, as many uh, as make a desire to a good showing in the flesh. So why did they all do of this? What did they do of this? The whole idea was to, to look good in the flesh. They wanted to, the attention, rather than giving God the attention, rather than blessing and, and thanking Jesus for all that he's done, they were getting the attention. Notice it says that they were to avoid the cost uh, of bearing the cross. Why? Because if they, these Judaizers were to draw the attention to Jesus and, and not Judaism and, and following the law and following and being circumcised and all this other stuff, then they had other people that they would answer to. And those people would persecute them. And look at them as, you know, not being solid believers and all that stuff. And they were more concerned about what other people thought of them than rather than being real and honest and understanding what the true gospel is. I believe that's important today. Why? Because I've been sharing with you guys the fact is the thing that matters most is you and Jesus. Because I believe this. I believe that yourself, the church, your parents people as a whole can add things to your walk expectations that aren't necessarily biblical and aren't necessarily true when it comes to your relationship with God what I mean by that is you could they would expect you they being whoever this is even yourself I have to do this I have to do that you have to do this you have to do that in order to be right with God now by way of reminder in Galatians chapter 5 it says, if you practice such things, the things of the flesh. Now, practicing such things means living a lifestyle of these things. So that's different. What I mean by that being different being if somebody's living like that going, mm, you know what, you're living a promiscuous lifestyle. I, I would hate for you to call yourself a Christian uh, because there's nothing that shows that, right? And so that's just an obvious observation. That's not judging. That's just saying it is what it is. Like I see what I see. It is what it is. You're choosing to live like that. I'm choosing to call you out. That's where it is. But see, that's different than somebody struggling in their faith, somebody fighting, somebody working towards wanting to be walking in the spirit, loving God, learning how to walk with God, having this relationship with God. That person is fighting. That person is striving to do these things. But it's not in the flesh. They're doing it in the spirit. They're just having a hard time. Again, the Bible says in Galatians 5, there's that war going on between the flesh and the spirit. And you've got to continue to fight. You've got to continue to fight even through the struggles. Matthew 10, 17 says, Beware of men, for they will deliver you to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. He says this, that, see, the legalists, they pretend to want to draw you to God, but really they're drawing others to themselves. I think we even have to be careful because sometimes, even in the church, people like to boast. If you were here early enough, we were showing pictures of the Philippines and stuff. If you saw the pictures of the Philippines, and there was a picture of us in a school preaching, the kids looked so young, but all those kids were sixth graders. And, and it's interesting because... Um, I was sharing last service, you can go to a place like that, and, and I, I shared the gospel after we did a skit and stuff, and you ask everybody, you know, if you want to accept Christ, raise your hand. And there were several hundred kids, and you can, 
you know, a lot of them raising their hands, a lot of them, you know, not even paying attention, but raising their hands and stuff, right? And so you could be like, dude, it would be nice to come back and go, you know, I did this outreach and there's like 600 kids and like 300 of them gave their life to Jesus. And the church will be clapping and cheering and everything else. And whoa, look at the work you're doing. But reality, let's, let's have a reality check. Did 300, let's say 300 actually raise their hand. Did 300 give their life to Jesus? Are 300 kids now going to heaven that weren't? Are 300 kids like following Jesus that weren't following Jesus a minute ago? Reality is, probably not. Some of them, hopefully. Many of them, I wish. All of them, gosh, wouldn't that be a dream? Reality is, no. Like we're not making disciples, we just had them raise their hand and say a prayer. By the way, the church is there, so the church is there ministering, right? So, like, you know, the whole point of making disciples is we have the people from our daughter church in the Philippines there to minister to them. But what I'm trying to say is I can come around and tell everybody and even show a picture. Look at all these people I led to the Lord. And everybody's like, whoa, what an evangelist. <laughs> but there's the reality side. They're sixth graders. They're an assembly. They're followers. Their friends raise their hand. They're going to raise their hand. I want to be real about, does that make sense? Like I want them to love Jesus and I want them to know God and I want them to have this relationship with God, but I want it to be real. It's the same with you guys. You guys can come to church all you want. What Paul's trying to get across is this. It's not how you look on the outward. It's what's going on inside that matters. We can look good on the outside. And we can come to church week in and week out. Praise God. But if you're not letting God change you from the inside out, what does it matter? You can look good on the inside, outside, but decaying on the inside. Or you could look good on the inside because God is washing your heart. And not so much on the outside. Paul's trying to get across to the church. Verse 13, even the people who are trying to tell you to be perfect, they're not perfect. But instead of drawing you to Jesus, they're trying to draw you to, to themselves so that they can go back to their place and tell everybody, look at, look at what I've done. Look at what I have. You know, it's interesting. And, and I mean, over the years I've had um, people tell me, Oh, Dustin, you know, my, like Sammy tells me often because of camps and stuff. Well, Dustin, your leaders are awesome, man. You've, you've done a great job raising them. And it's nice to, well, some of them. Um, <laughs> Marley's shaking her head over there at one, and I, I get that. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, and honestly, this is the way I think. You know, I didn't, it's not just me, it's us. Here's the thing about the leaders. The reason why they have solid walks is because they want solid walks. Does that make sense? Like they're choosing to invest their life in Christ. It's not just, this, you know, like I've taught them, like I teach you, almost all the leaders have been in the youth ministry. 
Matter of fact, David and Ashley were in the youth ministry as high schoolers, and I did their wedding in 2008. 2008. I remember their wedding because I did their wedding, and then I left straight from there, went home, changed out of my suit into shorts, and went to family camp. My one and only family It was a great time, family camp. But that's how I remember. <laughs> Josh, for his Wednesday night teaching, he wanted me to find a picture of him when he went to a Comic-Con convention back years ago. I found the picture. It was from 2007. I have it. He has it. I could show you if you want to see it after. He was like a cat or something. I don't know. It's a ninja. Ninja cat? I don't know, but it's sad to think about it, but he was young and foolish. The picture was from 2007. After looking at the picture, I have a folder of epic 2007 pictures and stuff, and I started going through it and seeing your leaders when they were in high school, seeing just a lot of people, Matt when he was still Matt, but he was younger. <laughs> Seeing all these people going, man, it's been years that some of these guys have been with me. David and Ashley took a break, but then came back and, and all. And, you know, so from high school, now still serving, now married, have their son, all that stuff, careers, everything is so amazing. So blessed. I, honestly, I, I got emotional as watching this going, because here's the thing that happened. What I'm trying to get across is we've done life together for many years. We've done life together for many years, all of us. And doing life together is like none of us expect perfection. None of us expect like each other to be perfect. And again, I've told you guys through our group, me and stuff, like Friday, I got food poisoning or something. I don't know, man. I was, I was out, man. And so at one point, I finally like text the leaders because I'm like on the ground in the hallway like in a ball going man I'm hurting had a migraine my body's aching all this stuff and so I just text the leaders I'm like can you pray for me and you know what none of them did except for Carlos no (laughs) none of the leaders are like what you're having a bad day where's your faith you're supposed to trust God You ever had Christians do that? You're having a bad day? Well, God's in control. Like, you need to trust God more. Oh, yeah? (laughs) I would love for that person who says that to talk to Job. (laughs) Talk to Paul. The guy that the Lord says, I'm going to show him all the things he must suffer for my name's sake. Just because I'm having a bad day, not feeling good or anything, doesn't mean I'm not trusting God. It just means like today it's not good. God's still in control. God's, I'm not doubting Him. I'm, I'm just going, God, I need you now. <laughs> but I'm not doubting you. I'm not running from you. I'm just hurting. We do that when we're physically sick. We do that when we're emotionally going through tra- trauma, when maybe a loved one passes or whatever it is. We go, we go through things. And we trust the Lord through it. God doesn't expect perfection from us. He just expects us to have this relationship with Him that's real. But one of the things I think sometimes in church is we're taught to be fake. 
Now, I don't think you need to put your drama all out there for everybody. <laughs> but I also don't think you need to be fake. Somebody asked me the other day, is like, how's things going? I'm like, horrible. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Dustin, how are you? And I'm like, not good. And they're like, oh. <laughs> they're expecting me like, good, how are you? Praise God. It wasn't. I praise God, but he, he's still in control. He's on the throne, but life is horrible right now today, to be honest. Like if you're really asking, which I know you're probably not, but <laughs> to be honest, like it's horrible. But being in the, or saying that, I'm not saying that God's horrible. I'm not saying that I hate life and all this other stuff. I'm just saying like the circumstances today in life are horrible. And yet God, he's so good. I think I mentioned Wednesday, if I didn't, I was sent to Bible study. I listened to it. And one of the things that the teacher said was this. They said, um, Oh, I just lost it in my head. <laughs> they said, um, intimacy with the Lord is the cure uh, for exhaustion. Yeah, I think I mentioned Wednesday. Intimacy with the Lord is the cure for exhaustion. You guys, I have to tell you, I literally stopped the, the, the tape or the recording, rewound it, listened to it again. I was like, dude, that was heavy. I, I wrote it down and I want you guys to hear it. And I might say it over again because it hit me hard. Intimacy with the Lord is a cure for exhaustion. You know what I've noticed? When I'm exhausted, maybe you've been like this. Sometimes your exhaustion leads to more exhaustion. <laughs> Sometimes exhaustion leads to anxiety. What I mean, you have a lot of homework, but you're too tired. You can't focus on doing it. You just want to go to bed, but you have to get it done and you can't focus and you, you know if you go to sleep you're, you're afraid that you're not going to wake up in time to finish in the morning and you have a deadline to get it turned in and all this other stuff and now all of a sudden your mind and your heart are racing because you're so exhausted right anybody and, and so your exhaustion leads to more exhaustion leads to more stress leads to you know all this stuff and yet the lord tells us you know take my yoke upon you my yoke is easy and my burden is light and yet your homework still has to get done <laughs> The, the project is still needed to be completed. There's still deadlines. So what do you do about all that in this whole process? Well, we trust the Lord. And all we can do is our best. And, and the thing of the matter is, is this. I think when it comes to our walks, we can put ourselves down. We can have other people put us down because we're not living up to someone's expectation, whether it's our own, whether it's someone else's. Now, mind you, I think God's expectations are high and we should strive to live under His expectations. But they're high in a sense of He has so much greater things for us than we allow ourselves. And so He wants to bring us up a notch. He wants us to see that we don't have to be down here like He's going to make us stronger, better, more equipped, all these things. That you and I are going to do things and get through things that we never thought we would. And He's going to be with us through that journey. But we have to have a, the will to persevere. We have to have that desire to continue on and live for the Lord. See, the tension though is instead of worrying about man 
and what man thinks of us. When I say man, here the Judaizers were worrying about the others. But I want to say to you, your parents, myself, other believers, instead of worrying about that, why don't you be concerned about your relationship with the Lord? And if you work on that, if you get closer to the Lord, everybody else around you will be blessed. Guaranteed. Because the closer you are to the Lord, the more intimate you are to the Lord, the more peace you'll have, the more joy you'll have, no matter what's going on in your life. And, and so as you have those things, you're going to have this relationship not based off of the works, not based off of outward things, but you actually have this peace in you. And that's going to show in your actions. It's going to show in your responses. Again, what happens sometimes to us is we hold things in. And you guys know, we've talked about this. When you hold things in, you hold things in, you hold things in. And then you say in your head, if one more person asks me how I'm doing, if one more person comes up to me and says, you're going to blow up. And then you blow up. Because they do. And then all of a sudden, they're going, what, what, what just happened? And they became your punching bag just because they were the last one. They don't even know what's going on in your life, but you said one more person, and that one person came. May I say to you, when we have that intimacy with the Lord, it's not only the cure for exhaustion, but it's the peace that surpasses all understanding that will help you so that when we repent, we feel cleansed. When we repent of our sins, we feel forgiven. When we ask God to be with us when we're hurting, when we're angry, when we're broken, the Bible says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so we're, we're having this united, intimate relationship with God. Where you're reading a Bible verse or something and all of a sudden it just smacks you in the face in a sense and just wakes you up going, I never realized how much God cares for me. I've always read these stories and I've always been told like, apply this to your life. And I don't know if anybody's ever felt like this. You, you hear that, but you're like, it's hard, right? It's hard like to take it off the page and bring it into your own life. And yet when it does and it hits you, because it's applying so much to you right now, where you're at and how you're feeling and what you're... I really believe that God wants you and I to have these deep, intimate relationships with Him. That we understand it's because of Jesus, verse 14 and 15. It's because of Jesus and what He's done on the cross. See, the Judaizers were trying to draw attention away from the cross and onto themselves and say, look at us, and you could be like us, and you can have what we have. But Paul was saying, you can have more than that. And it's based off of, look at me. Look at me and my relationship with Jesus because of Jesus, what He's done on the cross for us. So it's not just looking good on the outward, it's looking good on the inside. And you don't have to hide and be a fake, a phony. And there's so many people that will look up to certain people and go, oh, I want to be like them. And then you find out later, I mentioned last week, a uh, somebody who's had this hidden lifestyle for many years. This person who's supposed to be a well-known leader in Christianity in, you know, uh, that one over a university. And his hidden lifestyle came out. And it's sad because here's the thing. 
God doesn't want us to hide our lifestyle from Him because He sees all. And when we keep ourselves in check, when we want to have that intimacy with the Lord, when we're allowing ourselves to be accountable and stuff, God's going to clean us from the inside out. And we don't have to be afraid to be real, first with God, then with each other. See, I think it scares people when you say, you know, hey, how are you doing? Not good. And they're like, uh, uh, okay, I'll pray for you. Thank you, I could use prayer. I'm not asking for you to fix me. I'm asking, good, pray. That's what's powerful. I know what to do. I need to run to Jesus. Remember, He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who can help you. This is what Paul's trying to get across to the Gentile believers. He goes, listen, these guys who are talking about freedom aren't giving you freedom. They're giving you bondage. They're telling you to live a lifestyle that you can't live up to. Because when you try to live up to that lifestyle and you don't, then all of a sudden you have this guilt, you have this shame, you have all these other things. What I want to tell you guys is live up to the relationship that God wants for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like that soldier, our deeds should be that of loving and caring. And it should come second. It, like helping somebody who's hungry, that shouldn't be like, oh, I did a good deed today. No, like that should just be like, oh, I saw a need, I filled it. There was an opportunity to help and I, I was able to help. It, it's that simple. It, there was no question. There was no, uh, let me think about this. It was just like, here's... Here's a need. I'm going to meet the need. I was taught that. I teach the leaders that. Simple. Find a need and fill it. Find a need and fill it. As you're going. You know what, where that comes from too? I hate it sometimes. I'm at the store and I'm like picking up clothes. I've been at Active before like hanging things back up on the racks and like folding them right. And the person's like, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't belong here. <laughs> And because I was taught to see things out of place, to see things that aren't right. But rather than tell somebody, I was at Clark's the other day, the grocery store. Had to pick up something real quick, and I saw a puddle that the the freezer was like leaking. I think the condensation or something. And it just, you know, I'm thinking lawsuits. I'm thinking all this other stuff. So I thought I'm going to go make myself. No, I just. <laughs> like how can I do this and not get too hurt but <laughs> no uh, I walked by and they didn't see it yet the people who work there I found somebody who worked there just uh, right around the corner and I'm like hey you got a second yeah can, what can I help you do well, like they, were, they thought they were going to help me find something but I'm, I'm actually helping you and I'm like can, can you come over here yeah and we go over there and I say hey there's, there's a huge puddle right here I think you, you guys should put clean it up real quick so nobody gets hurt. Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. I wasn't doing it for any other reason than I, I'm thinking that's dangerous. You know, they, they, they wax those floors and stuff inside the grocery stores and all that and the puddle, like somebody can get hurt. It's dangerous. And, and so I saw the need and I didn't fix it. I, I don't know what to clean it up with, so I just got a worker and they fixed it. You and I, we're not perfect. We're going to have 
clean up. We're going to have messes. We're going to mess up. We're going to transgress, right? We talked about the difference of sin and transgression. We're going to, we're going to struggle. But here's the thing. Why struggle? What's the end result? You guys, I told you that I've been watching this dangerous TV, right? Uh, it's the Coast Guard Rescues on YouTube. And so I saw one the other day. This husband and wife, they were in this place, uh, very dangerous uh, on the Colombian, Columba, Columbus River, Colombian River, whatever. Dangerous, dangerous. There's two bodies of water that kind of meet, and it gets real crazy. And uh, so um, this boat, this husband and wife and their two dogs were fishing, and they hit that body of water. And as they hit that body of water, um, it got real rough, and their, their boat nosedived. And then uh, as their nosedive, it just took on all this water. And then another wave came and hit it, and just it flipped the boat. The boat started sinking. They were able to call the Coast Guard right away. And the Coast Guard came. And uh, so this husband and wife and their two dogs are, uh, the husband and wife are trying to hang on to their dogs. The dogs are like these little terrier mix kind of dogs. And they're hanging on to their dogs. They have their life vests. And the husband had told the wife, hang on to the boat. Now the, the waves were getting choppy. The current was really strong and stuff. And by the time the Coast Guard got to them, they had already drifted over a half a mile from where they told the Coast Guard they were. And they had been in this water, freezing water, very cold, for over a half hour, going into an hour and stuff. Coast Guard ends up um, getting them out of the water. Everybody was safe, the, two, the husband, the wife, and the two dogs. They were exhausted. They were blue from being cold, all this other stuff. And, you know, at one point, they're in this boat, they're the, the Coast Guard boat, and they're heading back to uh, a dock. And the wife starts crying, and, you know, there's a camera in there, and the wife says, you know, I thought we were going to die. I thought we were going to lose the dogs, <laughs> all this stuff. And the husband had told her, like, just hang on to the boat because the boat was flipped over and they're, they're on the, the bottom of the boat as they're holding on to it until the Coast Guard came. They had this will to live. They kept fighting, even though they're freezing and, you know, they're soaking their clothes and they had their uh, life jackets on and everything else, but they're, they had this will to live. And they made it, praise God. And the lifeguards got there just in time to save them. Praise God. But their will to live is for their family, for each other, for whatever. We have something to live for. It's heaven. The Bible says that like our time here on earth is short and it's coming to an end. When? Well, we don't know. God knows your day, your hour, your time. But he says, keep going, persevere and do good. Love one another. Build this relationship with the Lord so that you can understand how to build this relationship even with others. You don't have to be a fake Christian. You don't have to be this phony hypocrite that, that is dr driving people away from church. But you and I can be true believers, believers that are real and honest, that we make mistakes. And we're not making excuses for our mistakes, but we acknowledge that we make mistakes. Do you see the difference of that? Do you understand that? Like, I'm, I, I'm not trying to say like, oh, you know, just forgive me because I make mistakes. No, like, it's not an excuse. It's not make it okay. 
But the reality is I'm not perfect. I know it's a shock to some of you. <laughs> Wake up. But the whole idea is this. Paul is trying to encourage the Galatians. These Judaizers who aren't perfect are trying to make you perfect or make you think that you can be perfect. And they're trying to make you think that they're perfect so you can be like them. Instead of pointing your attention to Jesus, they're pointing your attention to themselves and the, the rituals and the outward things and stuff. I really believe this, a person who's strong in their faith that you look up to should be somebody who points you to Jesus. Somebody who draws you to Jesus. One of the things I love about our leaders and our group me is often, whether it's who, any of them, hey, here's a verse the Lord's been speaking to me. Here's a song. Here's a Bible study I heard or whatever. We're constantly sending encouragements to each other. Sometimes it's on the group me. Sometimes it's simply to each other in a text or whatever it might be. But people are building each other up. We're, we're trying to build each other up and grow in our faith and our walks with God. Notice he says in verse 16, as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy upon them. What he's saying is this, there's always going to be this heavy weight on people. I can't amount. I'll never be, I, I won't be able to be as good as you want me to. If you have that feeling towards a person, towards yourself, or even the Lord, then you have a wrong mindset. God doesn't do that to you. He says, you can be who I want you to be. When you're intimate with me, you're going to understand what that means and what that looks like. When we have this deeper relationship, you're going to understand, the Lord would say to us today, what that means and what that looks like. See, their doctrine, their teachings were wrong. But a lot of people were following it. But it's even in the church that we can get a hold of teachings that seem right or it's good, but it's wrong. And that's what we have to be careful of. When we get a hold of something and, and we're going, Lord, is this of you? Again, I've told you before, like when I became a Christian, one of the big things was like the, the church I went to and then a couple of churches after that was the slain in the spirit stuff. People, you know, coming in the pastors, not my pastor, praise God, but others. They would, you know, push you down and, you know, people would fall in the aisles and everything else and people would be on the ground like almost convulsing and saying the Holy Spirit came upon them and stuff and the churches that I went to that was normal that was okay it was it was a power of God moving then I went into Bible college started studying the scriptures and I realized I don't find this anywhere in the Bible so why are people doing it Think about that. I don't find this anywhere in the scriptures, but it's this is God. But if it was God, then how come it didn't happen to anyone in all these years? <laughs> Thousands of years that we read about here, and it never happened. So 
Why is it happening now? Why is God doing something so different that he wouldn't do, didn't do all these years? You ever think about that? I didn't for a long time. Because I just was taught that and I just went with the flow because I'm being taught that's God moving. And here's my heart. I want God to move. Don't you? And then I realize God does move, but he doesn't always move like that. And what I learned is you can't shut off God just because you saw something bad. Does that make sense? You can't walk away from God. You shouldn't walk away from God. Don't give up on God just because you've seen somebody abuse, mishandle, mistreat God's word in the church or whatever. Does it make sense? God isn't who people claim to be. God is who he is. There are many people who will mistranslate, misrepresent, mishandle who God is. Doesn't matter. It doesn't change who God is. And what Paul's trying to get across to the Gentile is this. These Judaizers are trying to come in and tell you that God is someone he is not. Be careful. And as we close the book of Galatians, I want to tell you this. I believe that God is someone we believe he is. He's a God of justice. He's righteous. He's loving. He's merciful. He's patient. He's forgiving and many other things. A God who brings peace and joy. God who brings hope, life. He cares. He cares about you from the inside out. He cares about how you're doing. He cares about you even when you don't care about yourself. He wants to bless you even when you feel like you don't deserve to be blessed. He wants to love you always, at all times. And he says, I want to be in this deeper, intimate relationship with you so that as you move forward, you can understand what true love is. My heart for you guys, more than ever, because when you understand this love that God has for you, I really believe it'll last a lifetime. A lifetime being I've seen too many people walk away from the Lord after high school. I was talking to Jordan even the other day is, you know where I've seen people walk away from the Lord? Going off to Christian colleges. Christian colleges. Why? Because all of a sudden they have a professor that teaches something other than what they were taught in their church. And all of a sudden they're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> What's true? What's right? What's wrong? He's a professor. She's a professor. Like, how could I? Right? You flowing with me? And all of a sudden, these questions and doubts and like, maybe everything I once believed was. And then you come up and you meet other Christians that aren't like you and, and came from different churches, maybe super liberal, maybe super, you know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, your views start to change because it, it's not based off of God's word anymore. It's based off of people's opinions and and everything else rather than the facts of who God is. You and I have to stick to that. That's why it's important for me as your youth leader to teach you God's word, for you to wrestle with it, and for you to never stop wrestling, for you to never give up. Like if you're struggling, 
today in your walk, it's okay. Don't ever stop struggling. Don't give up. Like that husband and wife and their two dogs, they, had a, they wanted to live. They're freezing cold. They're hurting. Help is there. Even though it took a while. James talks about the testing of our faith. I don't want to just trust God in the good times. I want to trust God all the time. Is that hard? It is for me. <laughs> because there's that saying, and I'll end with this. Look for the light at the end of the tunnel. You ever been in a tunnel so deep where it's like, there's no light? <laughs> I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel yet. This tunnel's further than I thought. Doesn't mean there's not a light at the end of the tunnel. Doesn't mean there's a, not an exit. It just means this tunnel's longer than I thought. So maybe you go through a trial, a struggle, something in your life, and it's lasted longer than you expected. Doesn't mean there's no end. It just means God's not done working in that yet. Why is He allowing that? I don't know. Trust Him through it. Trust Him through it. Just trust Him through it. And keep fighting, keep struggling, hang on. Be real. It's okay to say, I'm not doing good. I don't believe it's okay to stay like that. I believe God wants to help you through each and everything that you go through, and they are go through. And I can honestly tell you guys through the years, and even today, God is faithful. He's faithful. He's been there. And He will be there for you as He's been there for me. So...